Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Welcome to Bitches on Comics. I am Sarah Century. The last movie I watched was called Prey. It's from 1977. Vinegar Syndrome is the people who re-released it. And it's basically D.H. Lawrence's The Fox, only with an alien instead of just a random soldier who shows up at the farm, right? So it was okay. I'm Essie Flinor. Hey, everybody. Nice to talk to you again. Last film I watched was the 40-year-old version featuring Radha Black. She did this beautiful black and white film. It's amazing. It's on Netflix. I think everyone should watch it. It's about a modern playwright sort of grappling with what does it take to be successful as a creator and what does it take to be successful as someone in a capitalist system. And it's so funny. It's so funny. And it's sexy. And she's like so beautiful. I loved it. Yeah, it's better than Prey. (laughs) So check it out. Today we have a question from Quinn on Instagram. Hey, Quinn. Hey, Quinn. Quinn says, clears throat. All caps. What are your top 10 thirstworthy panels? Or just artist renditions of your fave characters? Question mark, question mark, question mark, question mark. That's a question, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yep. We're going to start with your last question. That is a question. (laughs) Yes, that's the one we can answer. These others. Have a great night. Bye. Yeah, this is going to be a long, long answer. Um, (laughs) We'll do thirst panels. So, I mean, comics are full of thirst panels. Now, I am assuming that you have bombshells on your list because that's that entire comic. I think I have Harley Ivy making out in bombshells is on my list. Yes. Okay. So is it the one where they're talking about tying each other up? Is Mm -hmm. it the one where they're Mm -hmm. kissing under the snow? Is it the one It's the one where they're on the bed that might be heart-shaped or circular. Yes. And Ivy's kind of climbing onto Harley. And I think they're talking about tying each other up. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, honestly, literally pretty much anything in Bombshells, I would say, I like, other than fighting parts, and sometimes even the fighting parts, <laughs> would rate as thirst panel because it is the most bisexual but mostly the most thirstiest of all of the comics that has ever been created. So if you want to read Thirst Upon Thirst upon thirst especially for lady love and ladies because you know marguerite bennett was like what do the queers need oh let me give it to them here is your bountiful cornucopia of ladies love and ladies and we're grateful and we have yet to recover no i i don't think i will ever recover probably will never recover who's big barda with remind me do you remember Wasn't she with Dr. Light? Yes. Oh, my God. That was hot. I liked that a lot. Oh, my God. Even Zatanna and Constantine were pretty hot. They were great. And that's like, you know, you finally see a Constantine you don't want to slap 3,000 times. Loved that. 
I finally see a straight couple that doesn't get on my nerves because the power dynamics are all weird. Like, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's so rare. I don't even want to call anybody in that comic straight. So I want to revise (laughs) people who are at the time currently in what would be considered by the greater world at large a heteronormative relationship. Usually not too cute in fiction, but that was really cute. Real cute. Thirst, thirst, thirst. You want to hear us talk about how how thirsty we are for bombshells? We actually have two different episodes. Yeah. <laughs> episode yeah. 10, which is the X-Men are just hella gay. That was a great episode. That was a good time. Aww, Our comic so of the week is bombshells. So we spend 20 minutes just going off. And then episode 20, when we had Claire McBride on, we did the astrological signs for bombshells, which was super duper fun and pretty, pretty thirsty. I mean, Wonder Woman and Mara as exes, please. And thank you. Like, what? Even just that was hot. And, like, they weren't even doing anything. They were just being exes together. And it was just like, oh, my God. And Catwoman just flirting with everyone like an Italian debutante. Like, oh, my God. All right. All right. I'll drink your wine, baby. Yeah, what's up? What's up? That entire comic. So, I mean, yeah, really, that's all we got on that one. (laughs) If you want to talk about the thirstiest panels, well, nobody did it better than Bombshells. I'll say that. Just cover to cover bombshells. (laughs) What's another one that you like? Well, okay, we have to obviously, you know, there are so many amazing porn comics and pornographic comics that are hot as balls. So I have to shout out Transcription by Emma Veronique Coubois. I'm going to shout out Iris J's amazing pornographic comics, Nero O'Reilly's. You know, there's just so many amazing cool ones out there. I love them. I uh, get a little, like, nervous sometimes reading porn comics, not for any reason than just, I grew up in this society. But I really do think they're really fun. And, you know, there are parts of transcription that Veronique Mahabois did that I'm just like, oh, my God, is that is that the hottest thing I've ever seen? There's a scene where Deken and Mystique are hooking up, but Mystique is portrayed as a trans woman. And, oh, my God. <laughs> It's so hot. (laughs) So probably there aren't going to be a ton of porn comics that are going to be on this list. But I did feel like if we're going to talk sexy, thirsty comics, get out there and check out those people's work because it is NSFW. (laughs) Let me just put it that way. My next one is definitely going to be The Wilds. Because the way that Heather and Daisy are shown having sex in issue one, uh, this is like one of Vita Ayala's amazing properties. Emily Pearson's art, my God. And then, you know, with Vita's uh, script writing, oh my God. And it's so hot. And they're like kind of mad at each other. So it's kind of like frustrated sex. And you're just like, whoa, I like it. (laughs) (laughs) Good, good, good. What's, uh, What's next for you? Oh, God. I mean, this is just like an endless list. So I'm going to (laughs) say, just like Bombshells in its entirety, I would say that X-Men comics are kind of just an ongoing thirst panel as well. Mm -hmm. Um, But the one that I'm going to start with is going to be the recent Marauders number 12. Whenever Kate comes back from the dead, we're talking Kate Pride and her cool little pirate outfit, which like does it for everyone I think (laughs) I was gonna say pirate outfit does it for me but then I was like is there someone it doesn't do it for um (laughs) maybe but (laughs) it's once again 
not me. So Kate comes back from the dead and there is a scene where, I mean, she kisses somebody in this comic and yet it is nowhere nearly as hot as whenever she looks at Rachel Gray, who she's had this long ongoing flirtation with for years, decades even. And Rachel is just well, they're all ready for you, Kate, or something like that. And yeah, she has like her really cute butch haircut. And then Kate just goes, Rachel, like underneath her breath. And the look that she has on her face, like that look is so much hotter than like so many actual like sex scenes (laughs) in comics. And it is probably one of the greatest thirst panels of all time because you're just like, I believe that these two have wanted to have sex for the last like really long time whenever I look at this panel. Yeah, totally. And it's so nice to see, you know, because like there's that that iconic panel from Mechanics where Kitty has, when she has Karma's hand in her hair and she's like looking at her and you're just like, what the goddamn hell? Oh, How is this God. not gay? <laughs> and so to see it come out in Marauders is just like, Ooh. And then really recently they had that scene with Danny and Karma sitting at the table and Karma's being kind of type A about things. And then Danny's just like, you asked me for my help, so let me. And Karma's like, okay. And I was just like, oh, no, a new ship for me. I am pained. I am pained. (laughs) (laughs) It, It wounds me, the love and the feelings. That was another one, though, where it was like, you two have just had a thing for so long. And to see writers today be like, yeah, and then they smiled at each other and it looked real cute. And I'm just like, thirst. <laughs> I like that. I like that you're like, I have really low expectations. <laughs> yeah, it's really thirsty. messed up, kind of. <laughs> And also, I'm like one of those people, I talk about this sometimes, where it's like I'm kind of demisexual, Mm -hmm. where I just like cute things and like something has to be cute before it can be sexy for me. So like, yeah, any kind of panels where it's just like people really professing like the amount of admiration that they have for each other and how they're kind of seeing each other in a way. Mm. That was the Danny and Karma panel, right? You see them both be so stubborn, you know, and then it's like they're kind of having this moment of vulnerability with each other. And to me, that's just like that in and of itself is so, so hot. I think I'm going to lay down on the floor and cry. That's so adorable. (laughs) Oh, my God. I love it. I know. I love Harley Quinn and Power Girl. There's something about Harley just really wanting to motorboat Power Girl <laughs> that yeah. like, works for me because she she restrains it and like she hits on her. And yes, okay, there's a ton of bad things, right? Because Power Girl's memory is missing. So Harley's like, you're my oh. sidekick. <laughs> and then dresses her in like the same costume, but it's like a mix of Power Girl's costume and Harley's. So it still has the boob window. <laughs> oh my God, yeah. But it's like I black remember. and red. <laughs> And there's just, like, all these different parts. There's one part where they're, like, falling out of a building. And Power Girl's like, what do you want? And Harley whispers something in her ear. And Power Girl's like, I'm going to let you fall and die. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there's something just about how Power Girl is this weird physical ideal for Harley. And she kind of can't help how attracted she is to Power Girl. She strikes out 
again and again with Power Girl. <laughs> like, but also Power Girl is not upset about it, right? It's not like, oh, gross. She's just kind of like, not the time. Also, what the hell? Like, you're a murder clown. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't think I can deal with this. But it's not like a hard no, right? So it's no. definitely something that's more of a fun dynamic. Yeah. We've seen that play out, right? Where it was just like, gross. This guy like won't leave this girl alone or whatever like that. Harley is like way more respectful about it. And like, it's funny still, but it's also like, no, she just really likes Power Girl. <laughs> like, which who wouldn't? I mean, what do you even do, right? She has a boob window. She has a boob it's window. It's a window for her boobs. Like, I'm not mad. Yeah. And that we've all been around people that are just so attractive that oh, you just God. don't know what to do. You're just like, Jesus Christ, I don't want to make things weird, but like, you're so beautiful. Yeah. You're like, I'm going to say nothing because anything I say is going to be disrespectful, <laughs> even though I don't mean for it to. <laughs> yeah. Like, and also, yeah, totally. 100%. <laughs> I'm just like, you know what, Harley? Relatable, quite frankly. <laughs> oh, my God. One time India Moore had a photo of themselves on Instagram. And I was just like, what the fuck? That was the comment I put. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck I was like, is right? My heart couldn't handle how hot this person is. My God. <laughs> Literally every time Brie Larson makes like a flippant comment about how she might be gay, I like fall down on the ground and like can't handle it. Anytime somebody shares a picture of Brie Larson on the internet, I'm like, I think she could be gay. And then I die. <laughs> but that's it. But that Captain Marvel chop. Mm. Oh, my God. I'm just like, please just don't bring it up to Brie. If, like, you see her, just, like, just let this crush run its course. You don't have to make it weird for her. Leave me alone. I'm okay. <laughs> but, like, also, like, please show some respect to the 30-plus lesbians that are in your uh, Twitter sphere and, you know, limit how often you share photos of Brie Larson looking beautiful. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, what's what's another... <laughs> What's another panel for you or comic that, that just does it for you? Well, I mean, what are we going to do? We have to talk about Jess and Carl. Like, oh, it's, uh, So Jessica, Spider-Woman, and then Carol Danvers, Marvel, Captain Marvel. We were just talking about <laughs> Captain Marvel. You got so flustered talking about them that you couldn't even handle their names. <laughs> I'm just like, D -d 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 I was literally like, yeah, yeah, we're all like, I just yeah. can't. Carol Jess, no, just, I need yeah. it. <laughs> okay, so, like, yeah, those two are just so cute, and, like, they're so adorable to each other, and they're always checking in on each other, and they're totally one of those couples where I'm just like, they're just so cute being cute. That's sexy in and of itself, but I love those two and their dynamic and, like, the consideration that they show each other. I think there's something very sexy about that, and What's the character with the giant arms? Didn't Quinn share yes. something about like, I forget what the character's name is, but there is a character who is a woman who always wears tank tops and she always has these massive arms, right? Mm -hmm. And like as somebody who is like obsessed with people's arms, I can definitely relate that it is extremely hot. But I like the representation I'm getting in this comic <laughs> because Jessica is constantly just like, okay, <laughs> like arms, what's up? The new Spider-Woman series. Yeah, now that I remember it. But like, yeah, basically like Jessica's level of cute and considerate thirst for other people in her comics, <laughs> I think is always really fun. <laughs> and yeah, I like it a lot. Yes. You get like a contact thirst from them. <laughs> oh, I really do. And I'm just like, I am Jessica. Like, I am totally the Jessica. Because the whole time she's interested in Carol. 
Carol's just kind of more on like a lot of levels. And Jessica's just like, okay, well, I packed you a lunch. And it's like super goddamn adorable all of the time. And also I'm obsessed with arms. So I really just am the Jessica. I don't know. Well, if we're going to talk about arms, then we have to talk about She-Hulk. I was like, oh, are we going to talk about Mackenzie Davis in Terminator <laughs> Dark Fate? Mackenzie Davis in anything. Like, uh, damn, girl. Yeah, exactly. She just shows up wearing, like, no sleeves. And I'm just like, fuck. <laughs> How is this legal? <laughs> yeah, so I was thinking of She-Hulk in FF. There's this point where she's, like, boxing Aww. and she is screaming raw, which I don't know, man. I guess it does it for me because she is just like beefed out and the thing is like kind of afraid of her. And to me, that works. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. And She-Hulk is just a babe, right? Like oh, she's just a consistently a babe across the eons. I really love her in Living Heroes in, in Stephanie Williams' oh comic. She's so funny in it. And like also like wears really, 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 really cute outfits. Like really cute outfits all the time. So I feel like also Living Heroes is just like a thirsty, thirsty comic. <laughs> it sure is. And that brings me to my next point. I was even going to say that Aurora's whole relationship, which I can't, it's kind of almost a spoiler, so I don't want to say it, but mm -hmm, like mm -hmm, Aurora mm -hmm, in mm -hmm. Living Heroes yes. is great um, mm. and also highly thirsty. But you have, I mean, I've talked to Stephanie Williams about this 500 times where in Extreme X-Men, there was the arena storyline where <laughs> Callisto shows up with tentacle arms. Storm's, you know, like, ex-arch-nemesis, on-again, off-again ex, shows up with tentacle arms. And then it's Aurora, Yukio, and Callisto with tentacles <laughs> all in a hot tub at the end of the arc. And that's literally how it ends, is them being like, can you imagine now we're all just in a hot tub together being friends or whatever? And it's like... What? Like, it just, like, cuts away and you're just like, okay. Um, I read that comic, I think, when I was, like, 16 years old. And I was like, I think it's trying to tell me something. <laughs> A.K.A. they're, like, gonna have sex. In fact, they were probably having sex on that last page because they all seemed really relaxed. And I didn't see where the end of those tentacles was. I'm going to say, like, I don't know if that's my specific thing, but that is, like, a thing, right? And... <laughs> Claremont's like bizarre, <laughs> bizarre level of thirst was like on full display. <laughs> That's so funny. In that comic. And also, I mean, anything with Aurora and Yukio is just like they're central. Uh, Aurora and like anybody. Anybody. There's like truly. this run where it's Aurora and Emma fighting. And Emma dresses up as Aurora and, and like oh my God, messes. Yeah. And then they're like sky fighting in these like tight pants and like their boobs are like out. And I was, just, and I'm just like, oh shit. Yeah. I'm like, I'm just going to read this. I'm going to close the door. <laughs> um, I feel like usually they give us the cutes, but there are some moments that are like, oh damn, with Aneka and Io from World of oh, Wakanda. Yeah. Like there's the cave panels that are really cute. They're like cuddling by a fire. But for me, the one that just like, whoo, is when they're fighting. So there's this scene early in World of Wakanda where Aneka and Io are fighting. And Io pins Aneka down and says, 
I believe today's lesson has been learned. And I thought, I would like to learn that lesson, please. (laughs) Yeah. Teach me, teacher. And they have like, they're cute, they're hot, they're sexy, they're kind, they're loving. They're just like, there's so many layers for them. And there's like a little bit of reluctant lovers thing to it. They're just perfect. They're fucking perfect. Thank you, Roxanne I was going to say the cover that has like Jean and Emma putting each other's clothes on. That's not really like a scene so much as like a cover where it was also just like you look at it and you're just like, what the fuck did somebody like find my pictures that I was drawing? And then it's just like, nope, that's a professional comic book cover. Apparently my fan fiction is a professional comic book cover. Um <laughs> so yeah, and then there's like a few that are kind of smaller moments. I pretty strongly ship Vampirilla and Red Sonia. And so in their series, there's not a lot of strong thirsting between them, but they admire one another so much. And like they have these really cute moments where like Vampirilla will be like, oh, I only eat blood. And then Red Sonia's like, yeah, that's why she follows me around is because there's always blood around <laughs> whenever I show up or something. And it's just like, I know that this is weird, but it is kind of still thirsty for me. In The New Tales of Old Palomar, which I think was recollected as Children of Palomar, there's Fritz and Peepo who have this actually very messed up relationship over time and not really something that's very cute for the most part. But there's a scene at the end where Peepo keeps, like, trying to get Fritz's attention. And so she just keeps, like, wearing gradually less clothes. (laughs) And, like, there's an ordinance. Cello, the sheriff, is just like, I'm going to fine you for that outfit. And Peepo is, like, looking over at Fritz, and she's just like, some things are just worth it. (laughs) And, like, (laughs) then she goes and shows Fritz, like, the birds and stuff. And, like, she's just like, oh, look. And it's, like, this panel of them pointing at the birds together. And I think that there's something about that that's just, like, when you're so into somebody and you just don't know what to do with it. And, like, there's nothing you can do about it. And most of the time, those crutches kind of, like, go away, right? In this, it's like they try to make it work against all odds and it really just doesn't. But it just reminds me of those moments when you, like, meet somebody and you're just like, I like you so, so much. And, mm-hmm. like, I feel like I'm getting in, like, a like a long car wreck, like, right now by pursuing this. But, like, <laughs> also... You're just so into that person. They're so cool and like you just are so into them. So like that some things are worth it. I was just like, yeah, girl, some things are fucking worth Mm -hmm. it. Like indubitably. Yeah, I have a couple small moments too. Safe sex is like a, you know, it's it's sexy, but it's also like scary. So but there's this moment where a character asks Avery, what makes you feel empowered? And they cut to her in like a corset looking down and whoo. I like that. I like that. Back to Sonia. It's a Red Sonia and Vampirella meet Betty and Veronica. Red Sonia joins the football team at Riverdale. Why does it do it for me? I don't know, but it does. I really like that. Uh, Very into that uh, whole thing. Um, There's also, of course, from House of Whispers, Urzuli is a fucking Betty. True. There's this scene at the beginning where she's kind of being worshipped and and you kind of get a silhouette of her. Call me. Uh, (laughs) Sarah and Angela are always on fire. I love them together. Oh, yeah, that's right. Marguerite Bennett does... You know, she she dedicates so much space on the page to them having these epic kisses and these big moments. And so those always make my my heart and my stomach, like, flutter a little bit. 
that comment cover that's Wolverine staring at naked Nightcrawler. I oh forget what my that was. God. I, isn't it like, I forget who did the cover even. I think it was like Chris Anka or something. That shit's so funny. Oh my God. So like that one's really good. Like there's not a lot of like, yeah, there's not a lot of male rep on this, but like there, that's because, uh, yep. <laughs> that's because, <laughs> Um, I will say that I think Peter Cannon Thunderbolt has some really thirsty That's moments right. that I really liked. Like both Peter Cannon, mm, girl, you look good. And like Peter's relationship with uh, his friend, whose name I can't recall at the moment. Like that's so cute. I really like that. I also love Quarter Killer, which is a Danny Laura Vida Ayala comicsology property. Quarter Killer is always dressed like they're gonna, I don't know, fucking rock your world. And I'm like, please, I sign up. <laughs> I sign up for world rocking. We talked a little bit at the holidays about Batman, the animated series. There's uh, the holiday episode where Ivy mounts Harley. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and you're just like, oh my God. Schwing. Well, the comic that it goes with that, pretty sexy too, because Ivy's standing at the window and you see some underboob. And then Harley is splayed out on the bed just in her underwear. And it's like, well, all right. <laughs> what I love so much about that scene is, is like how stoked Harley is <laughs> the yes. whole time. Like she's like, yes, great, whatever. <laughs> like I'm here. <laughs> like this rules. Exactly. So I was going to say Grace and Anissa, right? Of course. On the TV show Black Lightning, like there's a lot of highly thirstworthy moments between those two. But in the comics, too, I mean, whenever they first hook up, there's that panel in one of the Outsiders issues where Grace goes to her place. They're just like, ah, <laughs> like they basically are both like horny thoughts. I don't know. And then like they kiss. And it's just like, that's really cute. And then they get into bed and everything. But then it's like a lot of the dialogue that comes after that, I can't really condone. <laughs> like there yeah. were like these moments where they're like, well, I'm looking forward to all the delightful sex we're going to have in the future or something like that. And I'm like, okay, a woman did not write that line. But, um, <laughs> but you know, like the heart is there. Yes. And of course, I mean, I don't know if you have others, but of course, of course, princess, I've seen how you look at me. You're not that oh, straight God. from the Young Avengers and everything between Billy and Teddy because they're so oh, cute. They're and so also cute. it's like that classic jock slash twink setup that like we've all we've all been waiting for in a comic book i love Iceman. once he's out cena grace's run is just like so cute and i think very thirsty like i'd tap that bobby would not tap this so that's fair but uh don't tap that i love that representation that's so fun the one that i forgot that's one of my throwbacks and i talked about it on our very first episode i love in the Alan Moore saga of the Swamp Thing how Abby and Swamp Thing have sex. Swamp Thing is no longer a man. He's, you know, sentient vegetation, essentially. And he grows a tuber in his side. And then Abby eats it. And they both just, like, trip balls and, like, orgasm together. And I don't know. I'm like, hmm, maybe I should do more mushrooms. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, another one is anytime Amora the Enchantress shows up, like, <laughs> like if she's just there. Yeah. The final panel that I'm I'm actually furious with myself for not remembering is from Wolverine Origins number 23. It is the last panel of the issue. It's a full page spread. And this is when Deadpool's been sent to kill Wolverine. And these fucking queers. 
<laughs> they are just like in one another's arms, and Deadpool is stabbing Wolverine, and Wolverine is stabbing Deadpool. But oh, are they or are they fucking their brains out? And I love it. I think it's uh, one of the sexiest, most charged things ever. And it's one of the times where I feel like Deadpool's, you know, only Deadpool and Wolverine really get each other. And that's fucked. And that's why they're horny for each other. Yeah. Wolverine is kind of just um, a gay dude sometimes. <laughs> and exactly. it's kind of great. I mean, yes, him and Scott, right? Like, oh just God. fucking do it. Like, Jesus. He certainly reads to me as more complex than straight. <laughs> yeah. You know, he's he's got, you know, you can't be that angry at Scott all the time. You know, that's that's like yeah. the angry I get at someone I'm attracted to where it's like, just be more what I want you to be. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Quinn. I mean, I'm going to go need to take a cold shower. Uh, this has been a delightful. I think we gave you well over 10. Um, but... <laughs> We, yeah, we we're like top to... 10. How about the history of comics? <laughs> Thanks so much for your question. And uh, we hope you all enjoy your cold showers. everybody earlier today i made myself a sandwich and i thought to myself if i could rate and review this sandwich i would give it five stars and <laughs> i would say this sandwich is so incredible is best sandwich i've had literally in days and it was everything i wanted it to be and that would be a positive review that would help me see what audience responses were to my sandwich and <laughs> You know, it would just be really a helpful system. I wonder if there's another situation where rating and reviewing would come in handy. Oh, huh. Oh my God. No, what? you could rate and review this podcast, and then that helps us find our audience and it helps us find whatever we've lost. It helps us find what we've lost, <laughs> helps us find our socks, <laughs> our keys, our cell phone. People don't talk about it enough. When you rate and review it, really changes someone's life <laughs> yeah it's gonna change my life that's for sure and we like to read the reviews you know the ones that are positive that say soothing and nice things <laughs> five stars we'll give you five stars as a listener you give us five stars as a podcast five sandwiches <laughs> this podcast let's face it is five delicious sandwiches as a podcast network our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you but we also sell merch and organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. 
And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. Are you thinking about getting into Dungeons and Dragons? Maybe you're looking to expand your horizons as a DM or a player. If that's the case, then it's time for you to check out the Dungeon Cast, the best D&D podcast out there that helps you passively learn all about the game just by listening. Find the Dungeon Cast anywhere you get podcasts or on YouTube. The comic of the week is Trans Girls Hit the Town by Emma Jane. Oh my God, what a great comic. (laughs) <laughs> oh, so beautiful. You know, it's all black and white, a lot of uh, shading, grayscale, but oh my God, every part of it's perfect. I love it so much. This is a really good comic. I loved it too. I thought that the animation style was really good. The knack mm-hmm. for getting all of the characters and making them all look different was better than better than a lot of like mainstream <laughs> comic artists. Oh yeah, um, because every character looks like a different person. Like that to me was one of the things that stands out. Everybody's very unique, and you can tell the difference from the bartender to like you know all of the different characters. Yes, that are it's very easy to keep track. <laughs> yep, absolutely. The art it fits. It's like a very personal story. You can tell that this was all done by like one person because mm-hmm. of the way that it kind of flows, right? And I loved it because it's a story where it's like nothing really happens. Like they go out and they have, there's a crisis, but it's one that's ongoing, right? Like it's not one that begins or ends this night. I think that the point of this is this is what it's like, right? Day yeah. after day, if yeah. you go out and like you have to deal with all these stares and you have to deal with people being shitty and you have to deal with any number of things. And you have to deal with self-doubt, just of wondering. I really related to that of, you know, so there's the two characters. There's Cleo and Winnie. And Winnie's a little bit further in her transition. She passes, quote unquote, a little bit more easily. Cleo is a little newer in her transition. She is shorter. She's chubbier. I wouldn't describe her as fat, even though I think at one point she calls herself that. There's just a very different experience of the world, but they're really close friends. And you're right. The arc is really emotional in nature. You know, it's not about like, oh, this one thing happened. It's about, you know, this night is significant for how these two characters connect and take care of each other, which is really exciting to see. We don't get to see trans women have each other's backs like this and, and talk about like really hard things like that you know, how painful laser hair removal is or how, you know, how they do or don't get gendered correctly in different spaces. Uh And it's just, I really love this piece. And I I think it's something really special. And I know it won the PRISM Award. And that's actually how I first heard about it is from Veronique Emma Hubois. She is who introduced me to this piece. And I'm like so glad that she did because it's so evocative and powerful. And I felt, you know, like as as a non-binary person, who is trans, like I don't have the exact same experiences by any means, but there are points where 
I really do wonder, you know, or I do get misgendered and it makes me feel like shit or I'm, you know, I'm not sure. Is it in my head or is it really happening? Is someone actually staring at me or do I just think they're staring at me? Am I actually being misgendered or does this person call everyone guy? You know, like it's hard to navigate a world where you don't know if people think you're a human because you're trans. And that's part of what they grapple with here. But they do it in the most like accessible, almost mundane way. The story's not mundane, but the experiences in it are like very common, you know? And I think that makes it really powerful. There's a point where there's a threat of violence. In, at least they discuss that there's a threat of violence. And I got really scared and nervous. And I'm just like so glad they didn't end up going there. So there's no real trigger warning on reading this, I don't think, except, you know, maybe about thinking about gender dysphoria. And also just the acknowledgement of it being a constant present threat, right? Like, I think that that was almost more important for them to do it this way because, A, you know, we didn't have a side terribleness, which, like, would have clashed what the overall message of the story is, I think, in the moment, right? Like, if it had been introduced, they're going home and, like, all of this. And the the way that it resolves is, like, that doesn't happen, essentially. Yeah. Exactly. But it's something where it's like, I'm going to be afraid of this tomorrow, too. And I'm going to be afraid of this repeatedly. Like, that's why it's like, it doesn't happen. Guess what? Nine times out of ten, it doesn't happen. But when it does happen, it's terrifying and awful. And it can lead to, like, any number of awful, awful things and zero good things, right? So I think that that was more important in a way because it just showed that none of these problems go away just because we had this moment, right? Yes. Well said. Well said. I also think that a lot of times, I mean, we've seen stories that are kind of like this and it happens in like two pages in an anthology or something like that. So one thing that also was so important to this story was the pacing and the fact that you had space. It seems like the creator really took the time to just kind of tell exactly the amount of story that she wanted, right? Here's a conversation that I would have with my friends and like all of that kind of stuff. And I think that the way that that space was allowed was what made this story stand out to me a lot because a lot of times it has to be abbreviated. I only have like four pages to work with in this anthology or something like that. So having like this full issue just this one night, I think was great. It was incredible. Totally. And he's got like a really fun comics references happening. Did you die oh, yeah. when when she was like, Dazzler is my wife? <laughs> yeah, I thought that was great. And I was like, true to life too, honestly. <laughs> like, I was like, did you want to fight her? Did you, were you like, no, Dazzler's my wife? No, I definitely was just like, you know what? Dazzler is your wife. Um, That doesn't erase what we had. Like, that doesn't make it any less important that we shared our moments, uh, me and Dazzler. But I do believe that you are married to Dazzler now. Yeah, the dialogue is stunning in this work. It's so real. It's so, you know, the way that people like sort of dance in and out of topics. You know, they go from like talking about transphobia to talking about Wolverine to talking about you know hair removal to talking about transphobia to talking about Dazzler to talk about transphobia talking you know it's really cool the way that it weaves and bobs you know oh yeah oh and and I forgot her marriage to Dazzler's is Polly it's open so you're fine Sarah (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's good The other thing that I really appreciate about this piece is how it, you know, we talked about this in in specific examples, but I'd say generally it just deals with the minor aspects of living with transphobia. 
I say minor because there's just such a scale. So things like uh, yeah. worrying about where you're going to go to the bathroom is a very different scale than worrying about if someone's going to follow you home off the bus and hurt you. Right. You know, worrying about if the server clocks you is very different than worrying about if the guy who's been messaging you on Tinder that you're going to meet up with is going to do something wrong. Uh, you know, so there's there's all these layers to it. And I think that it just shares how learning how to navigate this this intensely transphobic world is very scary and requires community. I think that's really what this is a testament about is like these two women need each other. And even though Winnie's further in her transition and more comfortable being out, flirting, being by herself, she's not going to leave Cleo behind. She's going right. to make sure that Cleo is also safe. And, you know, there's this moment at the end where she's flirting with a server where Winnie is, and it looks like Cleo's going to make a run for it, and she's going to leave her, you know, and they're going to be separate from each other. And I just, my heart grew in size when Winnie followed her out. You know, I was like, that is what I want to see, you know? And even though they get in a fight and Cleo chews her out and then Winnie's feelings get hurt, like, they they find a way to resolve it because that's, you know, that's part of the resilience of of friendship and, and trans community. And I don't know, I just, I love it. I think it's fucking incredible. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think it was one of the best comics I read this year, honestly. It was really good. I love all of the message behind it and the way that it just takes its time and says what it needs to say and that there just is that space, you know. I think mm -hmm. that all of those things were really important and the fact that, you know, it just kind of reflects how far everything has to go the fact that like we have anybody who's going outside and like has to deal with this level of scrutiny and bullshit you know so like as a cis person I can look at it and be like yo fuck that but like those are the stakes right it definitely just kind of gave me a clear view I guess of a lot of the things that I know trans people have to go through but like yeah I don't know it made it so um it made it so present it makes what the particularities of trans women and what they experience really clear in a way that I think I haven't seen in, in very many comics. And I, to me, it was just like, wow, holy shit. Yeah, it was great. I mean, there's just no denying how great this was and how pretty. And it was nice to read everything. Yeah. I hope that I see more comics. Am I Jane? Yeah, me too. Yeah. So you can pick up a physical copy of Trans Girls Hit the Town at Disquette. Press, D-I-S-K-E-T-T-E, -T -T -E, Press. And you can get an electronic copy actually online from itch.io. So make sure and go support Emma Jane. She's making incredible work that the world needs. And we really love this piece. So we hope you will too. We're a podcast that is all about making comic books more accessible to LGBTQ folks and women. So if you have a question about anything related to comics, comic adaptations, pop culture in general, conventions, cosplay, you name it, that's what we're here for. You can send us your questions at bitchesoncomics at gmail.com. Unfortunately, Gmail does not like the word bitch. 
They're pretty judgy about it. So <laughs> we can't have it spelled out. It is B dot T C H E S O N C O M I C S at gmail.com. And do yeah, you remember there's no I am bitch? If you'd like to support the podcast, you can do so by rating and reviewing us on iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Sarah Century, and you can find me at www.sarahcentury.com and Twitter and Instagram. Still Sarah Century on those. I'm S.E. Fleenor, and you can learn more about me at sefleenor.com. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at at S.E. underscore Fleenor. Bitches on Comics is recorded by Kate Warner, who plays in the band Churchfire. You can find them at churchfiremusic.com. Our music is recorded by Katie Taylor, who plays as Earth Control Pill. You can find her music at earthcontrolpill.bandcamp.com. Bitches on Comics is recorded in Denver, Colorado. We want to recognize the indigenous peoples who have inhabited and do inhabit this land. The Arapaho Nation, the Ute Nation, the Cheyenne Nation, and others who have been erased from our history and collective memories through colonization. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.